welcome to Babe Cave. I am Amanda Pollock, and this is the Babe Cave Book Club February 2020 episode. And this month, we are doing Jacqueline D. Gregorio's Stop Getting in Your Own Way, a no BS guide to creating the business of your dreams. And we have Jacqueline on the show. She is a motivational speaker, author, and coach. She has been uh, featured in uh, magazines like Entrepreneur. I think you're really going to love her. Actually, I know you are. So Jacqueline, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here and to be the book of the month. I was really excited about this one. Like, uh, I think I told you last month when we started, we did Rachel Hollis's um, Girl Stop Apologizing and uh, Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. And part of me, I was like, oh no, I, I don't know if I'm doing too much like motivational stuff, you know, like kind of back to back. But then when I sat down and I read your book, there was something where I felt like this kind of uh, fills in some of those gaps that I think sometimes you need for self-development things. And it's not just for, and we were talking about this before we started recording, it's not just for business. It's yeah. for life. Absolutely. All of the concepts are things that anyone can relate to. It's just that a lot of the stories I share about self-development come from my experience building a business because I find that entrepreneurship is kind of like an accelerated personal growth journey. But this book is really for anyone who wants to grow. Uh, each chapter is something you need to stop doing. And all of the things are things that anyone who has goals or wants to step into a level outside of their comfort zone and become a better version of themselves will absolutely relate to. And there are really tangible takeaways. So I think that anyone who picks it up will take a lot away. That was something that you had mentioned in the beginning, like when we first started talking about you being on the show was that there are things at the end of every chapter that you do. And I also really liked that they were simple things that, would take enough time, but it wasn't like you're trying to overcomplicate something just for the sake of being like, hey, I know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. I have read so many books where they're just dense and it's overwhelming. And I wanted to write something where people could digest it and get quick wins in their life because I found that those small wins, they, they raise us up. They build our confidence, they build our courage, and they make us then take the next step and the next step and the next step. And that's exactly what it takes to build our dreams and start living the life we really want. And so if I could just give that to people in a tangible form where, okay, these are the habits and they're the building blocks, but here are the things you need to do just to start. So you don't have to like do it all overnight, right? You don't have to apply all of these tomorrow, but maybe you can find one thing from each chapter's takeaways that you apply, or maybe even three things from the whole book that you apply I know that these takeaways work and they will change your life. So even if you just found one thing, wow, that's freaking awesome. And so I just wanted to be that person for people because some books in my life have been really transformational, a lot of books. Uh, and I thought, well, what if I could be that person for someone else and transform their life? So that was my goal. I love that. And this isn't your first book. So, so why this book now? And you can talk a little bit about like how you you got here. So I have been in love with personal growth and entrepreneurship ever since I started my first business uh, from my dorm room when I was 21. 
at Georgetown. And as I went along my journey, I faced so much hardship and so many failures. And I really was forced to up level. And if I really wanted to achieve my dreams, I had no other choice but to find a way through that thick mud. It was like quicksand. A lot of times I was drowning or almost like when you're like treading water, but you're really exhausted. I don't know if any of you remember like as a kid taking the swim test or something. I remember like the swim test was so hard at my pool uh, to go off the diving board. And it's like, you're, you're literally almost drowning, but your head's above and you're, you're barely treading and you pass. That's what entrepreneurship felt like for me. And that's what my personal growth journey was like. And when I kind of got through some of the mud, right? Like I'm not where I want to be yet. I have really big dreams and goals, but I've achieved a lot of my bigger goals that once felt impossible. And so now I just make them bigger again, right? And so once I realized like, what did I do to achieve those things? I realized that maybe it wasn't as hard as I was making it out to be. And it's not to downplay the journey, but more so give other people support. And maybe if I could just make it a little easier for them, maybe if I can make the path a little clearer so they can make less of the mistakes that I made, then I could really make an impact. And so my big why and my big dreams are just to help more women live their best lives, follow their dreams. Most people want more time, more freedom, more happiness. I want to give that to you. And for a lot of people, it's building a business or uh, creating some sort of lifestyle that's different from the one they have at like a nine to five. And so I just wanted to give people the tools to actually create that life, whatever it is. So even for some people, like you might want to be an awesome stay at home mom, right? That's great. You still need tools. You still need goals. We all do to, in order to feel fulfilled and be good at the things we want to be good at. And I felt like I had so much knowledge and I saw so many people in my life, people that I cared about who were, who were drowning and, and they weren't even staying above the water. And maybe I could just give them enough to keep them kicking, to keep them going just a little bit longer because there's this quote that most people give up like right before their big breakthrough. And I, I truly believe it because I feel like the hardest hardships that I've been through were right before a huge win. It's almost like the universe or God or whatever you believe in saying like, hold on, mm -hmm. you're about to drown, but I just gave you this big win to give you that hope. Because <laughs> this is so funny that I'm going to quote this right now, but one of my favorite books and movies from when I was a kid is The Hunger Games. And <laughs> they say, hope is the only thing stronger than fear. And it's true. And so yeah. you just hope. And so I wanted to essentially be that hope for other people because I needed it. And I was lucky enough to be able to find it within. And a lot of this is deeply rooted from my childhood, from the way I was raised. I had a lot of self-belief and that was put on me from my parents who told me things like you can do anything you put your mind to when I was a kid. And I have a TED talk coming out. Well, it is in March. So it, the video will probably come out a couple months after that. Um, but my script is due actually this week. So I've been working on it and I talk a lot about that and courage. And so I was really lucky that I was able to find that courage within, but I think that not everyone is that lucky and not everyone has the courage within. So how can we build it for other people? And so that's what I wanted to share in the book. And that's why I decided to write it. I love that so much. Um, you know, the, and the thing that you said too, is that everybody needs tools. Yes. But I get into this thing where if you talk to enough entrepreneurs or people who kind of speak your language, uh, you all kind of maybe understand some of the same things, not that you apply them, not that 
you're actually utilizing them. But for someone who doesn't want to start a business or anything, I, I think there's this um, uh, misbelief that you don't need some of those things, that it doesn't apply to you. And so I, I just really love that. That was why, um, that was one of the reasons why the book, to me, I was like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to read some of these things over and over just because it was very simple, but in a way that felt like, oh, this is still doable even when I feel like I'm drowning. Right. I think that we need not only the tools, but like daily reminders of them. So that's why I create content. Like you could read my book and apply it. Great. But people need accountability. People need to be reminded. People need to hear the same things over and over and over again in different words. And they hear, we kind of take what we, what we need, right? It's like, you never see those sheets. I remember we used to have these on my college campus. It would say, take what you need. And they would have these little, little pieces of paper at the bottom that said, love, support, friendship, whatever, all these different things that you might need. A hug, whatever. And pull the thing. And I feel like that's exactly how we listen. We listen to content, we read content, and we just take what we need. So I think that it's so powerful to just constantly consume. I think every day, you need a reminder. So whether you're going to start your day with positive content, whether that's reading, listening to a podcast, or you're going to end your day with it, motivation is a myth. Of course, you can be excited by your goals, right? But I think that majority of people have this idea in their head that other people are more motivated than them. I see it in my clients. They'll be like, Jacqueline, how do you get up at five in the morning? How do you do this? How do you do that? And they think that I have some superpower, that I am different from them. And one of my favorite things to talk about when I speak is, guess what? I am literally no different from you. I'm not smarter than you. I'm not a harder worker than you. I'm not more motivated than you. I just put in the work. I do the things that I know I need to do. I've created the habits. I've changed my identity. I've done all of that inner work to be this person. It's not easy, but I choose it every day because I care more about achieving my dreams than I care about my ego or going through tough times or having to be embarrassed or feel shame when I fail, right? Mm -hmm. I care, so all I care about is the end goal. And that's not to say that the journey is not important, but it's so health, healthy to have a guiding vision and a guiding light of, hey, I'm, I'm going here and I'm gonna find my way there. No matter how many times I fall, I'm gonna get back up. So if you're listening to this and, and you're the kind of person who's told yourself your whole life, well, I'm just not motivated. I need more motivation or I'm not like that person. I, I wasn't good at school. I wasn't good at math. This, that, the other thing. They're all lies. They're all stories. It's your identity. And you have a choice. You have the power to change your identity. It's not easy. It takes a lot of inner work, but it's worth it. So that's why I think the tools are so helpful because they help you change your identity, change your habits, overcome the limiting beliefs, overcome the fears. And that practice of doing those things over and over and over again in every area of your life, your career, relationships, anything that's important to you that you want to grow and step into a better version of yourself in, that's where the tools really make a difference. And I love that what you said too of, um, and we talked about this a little bit before we started, but you know, you aren't different. There isn't something I think when people meet ambitious people, they're like, but I'm not like you. 
and it's, it creates this wall. And for when people say that to me, I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm not better. I'm not worse. I, I think I just keep going because what, I don't know what else to do. Right. And I think that a lot of times we have this idea in our head too, that like people who have achieved, you know, things that we want to achieve or people we look up to like that they think they're better than us. But whenever I look at someone who's like, Jacqueline, I really want to do this thing that you've done. I really want to write a book. I really want to start a business. I really want to hire an employee, whatever it is in your goals. They think that I'm thinking like, oh, well, pff, like look at them. But instead, <laughs> thinking like, that's so great. You can. Mm -hmm. And here's how. And I can't wait to just have the opportunity to share my knowledge or my learnings to help you because so many people have done that for me. And it, it's so powerful. So drop that attitude, drop the comparison, because all those things are holding you back. You're not asking for help and you're not getting help and you're not getting closer to where you want to be because you're stuck in this bubble and, and you're putting yourself there. You're actually putting yourself inside that bubble. So let's pop it and let's get outside of that zone where we hold ourselves back. And I think when people think about those high achievers, super successful people, they don't really think about those low moments. So I would love to talk about how you open the book um, and I'll let you take it from here, but it's such a wonderful way to, I think, to ground in a story where, you know, someone might pick up this book and they might think like, Great. Here now, I'm going to hear all of the ways that I'm not as good. Just you know, as a defense mechanism of like, I know I'm getting in my own way. Okay, uh, but you get right in on the ground level with the reader, and I. It was just it was a it was a lovely moment. So I'll just I'll be quiet and I'll let you. <laughs> yeah. So one of my goals, whenever I speak or whenever I'm um, teaching or talking to someone especially if they've like read my bio before I go on stage, like all these accolades. And my immediate thing is I want them to connect with me. So I think that a lot of people actually do the opposite. They have this opinion in their head, like I need to be credible. Like I need to like establish that, like I'm the expert. And especially for someone like me, I'm 24 years old. So immediately people look at me and I lose respect based on my age. Right. And so the insecurity inside of me wants to just prove myself, wants to rattle off all these achievements, these numbers, these things I've accomplished. But that is not how you help someone. You help someone by coming down to their level and letting them know that they are not alone, showing them that you've been there and then holding their hand and carrying them with you and saying, hey, I've been there and look where I am now. Not to make them feel like, oh, wow, look at you. Rather to show them if this is possible for me, it's also possible for you. And here's what I did. And you can do it too. And so it's so empowering. And so I opened the book with one of the lowest moments in my life when I had like the hardest failure in entrepreneurship. It was just such a tough time. I was really questioning everything. And when you failed so hard publicly, 
when you've failed so hard and you've let people down who love you, like your parents, my parents let me money and I failed with that money they let me. And it's not like my parents just casually had money to throw away. It really, they needed that money back desperately. And here I just lost it. And so I had this scarcity and this lack and these deep emotions that I was a failure um, and that all these people believed in me and look what I did. I had a complete failed product and I just wanted to give up. I, it made me feel like all of the dreaming I did and the goals I set they weren't worth anything. And I was delusional. I literally felt like I was delusional and I'm not supposed to be an entrepreneur and I'm not going to be successful and I'm not cut out for this. And something inside of me brought me back up. And I talk a lot about this um, in my TED talk that I'm going to be giving, like, what is courage? And for me, I know it was this self-belief I had that my parents instilled in me at a young age. I, it was so deeply rooted because we know that our subconscious mind forms between birth and seven. And so, you know, when my dad told me every day as a kid that, Jacqueline, you can do anything you put your mind to, I believed it. So maybe that was delusional. And, <laughs> and sometimes I have people actually question that. They hate that I say that expression, actually. And, and one of my favorite questions I ever got asked was, someone asked me once, Jacqueline, you say you can do anything you put your mind to. But what about things that are impossible? Like, could you run a two-minute mile? Right? Like, has any woman ever run a two-minute mile? I don't think so, but I'm not sure what the fastest mile is for a female. But guess what? I'm not a su superb athlete, so it, it wouldn't be me. Right? And, and my reaction was, well, yes. Yes, I could. And they're like, this girl's really delusional. Like, what's she going to say next? And they're like, could you explain that for me? And I'm like, sure. If you wanted me to run a two-minute mile, I would drive to Enterprise, and I would rent a car. I would actually rent a pickup truck. And then I would go and I would buy a treadmill and I would put it in the back of the pickup truck. And then I would ask you to sit in the front seat and I would ask you to drive around the track four times at a speed that's going to get me around the track in less than two minutes. And I would jog on the treadmill in the bed of the pickup truck and I would freaking run a less than two minute mile. There is always a way if you're resourceful. It might not be the traditional way that comes to mind. Like I need to train to be the fastest woman ever in the world. No, right? That's probably not the easiest way to do the thing. And so the reason I share this is because I was able to get myself out of that really hard time and pick myself back up, even though it was really freaking hard. And I want people to come with me when they read the beginning of the book. I want them to know, first of all, most people have felt a low that low. Mayan was in business. Other people's have been in their personal life. Maybe they've lost someone they love. They felt grief. But we all know how bad it feels to be at rock bottom. Everyone has been there. Mm -hmm. but that's the best place to be because the only way you can go is up, right? Like this is it. And so honestly, it's so much harder when you're like successful. Like now it's like, oh gosh, like look at all my obligations, responsibilities, commitments. It's a lot harder. And then you get into a whole thing with success. Like now I have to replicate my success. Then you have a fear of success. I mean, every level come new level, new devil. I believe that not in a way to speak negative things into existence, but to understand the ebbs and flows of life and how the universe is always sending you new lessons. There's always more you can learn. But I wanted to start with my lowest point and then take the reader with me through, okay, I was here and here are all the things I gave up to get me here. And that journey has been really powerful for people who've read the book because they've told me that it's made them feel heard 
and validate it and like their struggles are not something to be ashamed of, but rather something that they can use as, as a powerful tool to get to where they want to be. And they're much more open to what I say because mindset and, and a lot of personal growth stuff can be really weird for people because they're like, that won't work. Repeating an affirmation won't work. Visualizing my dreams won't work, right? Well, really, can you just try it? And they're much more open to trying it when they've kind of come with me on the journey and when they're like, wow, she was so desperate, she would try anything, right? Like, that's how I felt. Like, at this point, the only way to go is up. I'm willing to try anything because it doesn't work. I'm not any worse off than I was before. So that's <laughs> kind of where that came in for me. I love that, though, because um, you, you talk about mindset also in this way that I think isn't too woo-woo for some people. Yeah. And... <laughs> It's really hard to dive into um, that space. It's like, what's going on? What are these people talking about? So I, I wrote this book for someone who's kind of like, okay, I'm interested. I didn't write it for the person who's like sitting on mountains meditating with crystals because they probably, um, you know, maybe already practice a lot of these tools. Like I didn't invent them. I'm not a genius. I love to say that. I am not a genius. This stuff has been around for so many years. I just express it in a way that resonates with people. I have an energy that people just feel connected to and want to want to read my words, want to listen to um, the way I talk. And so it's really good for you if you're someone who's like new to personal growth and personal development, especially some of the woo-woo stuff. You're like open to it, but like not really like in the pool swimming and, and doing the dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, the the thing that I really liked that you included was of changing the words that you say to yourself so that you're changing your thoughts. And I this has been something within the last few years that I've really been drawn to. And so now, though, I have been more conscious of not like correcting my friend's language, you know, or family members, but like when they, they come with a thought of this belief, I try and reframe it in a way where it's, so just slowly, I feel like I'm, you know, you can do some good work amongst the world and not freak people out, be like, oh my gosh, have you seen the secret? Oh, let's talk about. <laughs> and there are some people who are open like I've had friends who have come to me and I know we're gonna talk about money mindset later on in another episode so I'm not gonna dive too deeply into this but just to use the example I've had friends come to me and say like can you help me with my money mindset I need to talk about it a lot I feel a lot of scarcity I'm actually struggling financially and I can't comprehend how like if the numbers don't how can I feel abundant when the numbers don't add up how can I have a better mindset when I'm going more into debt every month right and just by pointing out their language and the way that the words they're using is actually getting them more stuck and making them feel more trapped has been so transformational for people. And so when they're open to it, like a simple shift like that, it's just crazy how much it changes their life. It's, it's always those small things that someone else has to say at that right time. And I think that a lot of people are going to get some really good stuff out of this book. How did you come to these steps and were there ones that you left out? 
Oh, that's a good one. So I really just analyzed like what have I been doing and what's been working for me? I love learning. I know a lot of entrepreneurs always talk about how like I was bad at school. I dropped out. I didn't get, I didn't get good grades. I was the opposite. I was like a goody two shoes, straight A student, went to a, a prestigious college. Like I did all the things. Like I never, I thought of myself like wanting to start a business when I was a kid, but I never thought of myself as a rebel. I think a lot of people are surprised that my personality fits into an entrepreneur because I'm a rule follower. If there's a crosswalk, I'm like, we have to cross over there. And my friends are like, Jacqueline, it's 15 miles an hour in a school zone. There are no cars coming. Like we can cross for everyone across. So it's funny because I love learning and that's why I love school. And so when I got into this world of entrepreneurship and learning, I started, you know, buying as many courses as I could, doing coaching programs, buying books, and just constantly educating myself. And everything I read, I committed to trying. And I learned this lesson from uh, one of my best friends. When I first went to college, I was very sheltered and I hadn't tried like any foods that my mom didn't cook. And we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so we never really went out to eat. So it was literally just like if my mom cooked it, and we had it in our cabinet, I knew what it was. Otherwise, I probably never saw it before, never heard the word, and never tried it before. So I went to college, we're in the dining hall, you know, seeing all these foods, and, and right away I'm like, I've never had that, I've never had that, I've never had that, I don't know what that is. And the funniest one was when we were sitting in our dorm room studying together, and my friend Cindy is eating this snack. And I see these like brown things, they're like oval shaped, they're crunchy. I'm like, Cindy, what are you eating? Like, I'm so intrigued. And she looks at me like I have three heads and she's like, are you kidding me? Jacqueline, these are almonds. I had never seen an almond before. I never tried one before. And I'm like, hmm. And she's like, do you want one? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like immediately, like I shut down. I'm like, I can't, I can't try something I've never had before. And she was like, oh no, this is not how this works. And, and she had known I was so sheltered because being around me, even the words I use, like it was just a whole new experience for me uh, to be around someone, especially my friend Cindy, who uh, wasn't even from the US. So she had a completely different perspective. So she's like, Jack, got to make me a promise. Whenever you see a new food, you have to take one bite. And if you don't like it, you never have to eat it ever again for your whole life. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's fair. And so this practice literally changed my life. I am such like a, a big eater now. Like I will try anything. And um, this is someone who like only ate well done steak and never tried seafood. And, and you know, I don't like everything. Like I've really tried to like spicy foods. I'm trying to train my taste buds. If anyone has tips on that, DM me on Instagram. I want to like the spice, but it burns. So I'm trying to get through that one. But anyways, I've taken this concept and I've applied it to my life because it was, it was so transformational. Like I've found so many foods that I've loved that I wouldn't have tried before. So I'm just so open to trying new things. And that being said, when I was reading books about mindset, entrepreneurship, personal growth, I'm just like, okay, if this book says it and this person who wrote the book, which clearly means they're successful enough to write a book, says it worked for them, it could work for me. And a lot of things did work, right? And I think that sometimes things took more time and sometimes, um, you know, like if we look at the uh, science of like changing your mind and rewiring your brain, 
it's something that takes time. So repetition is the brain's language. Our brains have neuroplasticity, which means that we can form new neural pathways. And it's really cool to understand the science behind it because for those like non-believers, you can just like read. I talk about a lot of studies in my book just to give people something tangible. And they don't think I just made this up and I'm like crazy. <laughs> Um, but it takes time. Repetition takes time. So your brain will rewire. It takes a long time. So, uh, when I was in college, I actually struggled with an eating disorder. And my first book is a lot about my challenges, uh, with specifically overcoming binge eating and how I was able to do that. And looking back, I didn't understand it at the time, but all I did was rewire my brain. I just rewired my brain to think about food differently. And now that I understand so much about brain science, it makes so much sense to me why that changed my life so much. And now, like, people say you can't fully recover from an eating disorder. Um, and I can't speak for anyone but myself, but I'm 100% fully recovered. I, I don't have any problems with food, with binge eating, with under eating. Like, it's, I'm just very healthy and have a healthy relationship with food because my brain is fully rewired. And I think that that same thing applies to this where – that took me two years to rewire my brain and to, to, to really overcome my eating disorder. And then it took probably another four years for that to like cement and be like, like I never thought about food in a negative way ever since that point. So that took a really long time. That being said, I've now been an entrepreneur for almost four years. So these concepts are still cementing. And I think that it's this commitment to growth. So you may try something that you read in the book and you're like, well, I thought about the money and I didn't get a check in the mail the next day. <laughs> right. You should just give up with it. Right. But that's not the case. It's going to take time. So I would say that these concepts that I talk about in these tools are the ones that have been most transformational for me up until this point. But something I've learned as an author is that the person you are when you write the book is different, even from the person you are when the book gets published, right? Because the publishing process is pretty long. And then years later. So at one point, I actually wanted to go back and rewrite my first book, The Cuss Method, because I had learned new things about my relationship with food and I was still healing. And I wrote that at a time where I had healed maybe 80% of the way, but not 100%. And so I think of things differently now. I've learned more now. And I felt like, oh my gosh, it's not perfect. It can't be out there. But perfectionism is something that really holds us back. I talk about that in um, one of the chapters, I think it's chapter seven. Uh, I forget. Uh, exactly, but I'm 99% sure it's chapter seven where I talk about that, how I rewrote this manuscript three times for stop getting in your own way. And perfectionism really holds us back. And so what I learned from all of that is the things that I talk about in this book are the things that got me to that six-figure level in my business, to building my team, hiring my first employee, like taking those huge leaps. And I know that I'll probably write another book soon. I'm already itching. And that one will be different because it'll be where I am. And maybe in five years, if I have children, that one will be different too because I might talk about being a working mom. Or I, might, I just talk about where I am. And so I have learned that when I publish something, when I put it out there, when I write something, when I speak, I can only speak of my experiences and what I know now and that will probably change. So those are the tools that were transformational for me up until the point where I finished writing it. And even since then, I've probably adapted new tools, changed my mindset even more, um, and that's healthy, and we should constantly be growing. So if you're like a creator in any sense, don't be afraid to put something out there if you think like, oh, but it's gonna change. It's fine if it changes. My brand has totally changed. When I first started, I talked about food and nutrition and body image, and 
health. And now I talk about personal growth and entrepreneurship and following your dreams. And guess what? My tribe has actually stayed with me. They have been on board from day one. And of course you lose some people, right? But the people who are really interested in you and what you have to say and connect with you, they go with you. So it, there's no reason to have fear about that. So that's something that I think is uh, really interesting about the tools because they aren't something that maybe will be my forever, but they definitely were my right now. I love that. And also that idea though, that no matter what it is that you're saying, people connect with other people. So I think sometimes people have this um, misunderstanding that I have to be, if this kind of business you know, owner or even this kind of friend, whatever it is, I have to be saying these things, I have to talk about these, I have to mold myself into this person that people will still want to come along life with. And I don't think that's not true, clearly. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. And this is something I took the time to learn personal branding uh, this past year. And it has been really transformational for me. And I've learned that it's actually very simple. And so anyone listening who wants to build a personal brand, um, I'm going to break it down for you. And what I spent thousands of dollars to learn that you can learn in like one easy nugget. I used to think that I was supposed to like create a personal brand. Like I, like I was me, I was Jacqueline and I had to like create this whole thing. Like what does Jacqueline like? What does Jacqueline do? And how does she present herself? And like, what's her image? And like, you know, like I have to go buy clothes and like do all the things. And then I worked with an amazing coach, Cheldon Barlett Rumor, who is the founder of This Is It TV. We broke down, like, what's my brand? Who am I? And Cheldon told me, Jacqueline, all you have to do is be yourself. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, people don't want me. Like, I'm over here working from home in my robe. People do not want to see that site. My hair has not been washed in three days. Like, let's be honest, this is not cool. Um, and we laughed a lot about it until we came to the conclusion that truly, she was right. All I had to do was be myself and who was I? And so my whole branding, if you go to any of my uh, content anywhere, Instagram, look at my podcast, is around this idea of light and energy. Where did I get that? I have had so many people tell me after speeches, cold DMs, Jacqueline, there's just something about your energy. And as soon as I changed my branding, as soon as I went all in on this yellow theme, on this light theme, it like started to explode. I would always get messages saying like, I really just, I feel you. I feel your connection. Why? Because I leaned into who I already am. And so this same theme, if someone else tried to start a podcast called Spark Your Light and make their whole Instagram feed yellow, it would not work for them because they're like a soft pink type of person. You just have to be who you are and show up as your authentic self. And honestly, it's so freaking freeing because I don't have to do anything. I just have to be me and people like that. And I thought, how crazy. I wish I knew this when I was like in middle school trying to make friends. I mean, you just have to be yourself. And it's, it's actually hilarious because now that I think of it, um, I don't know about you guys, but in high school, at my school, in the yearbook, we got to do a quote. And your quote is like forever under your picture. So anyone who might be listening to this, because I have a big tribe of people from my hometown who follow me, uh, who has my high school yearbook, go look it up. My quote is Taylor Swift, always be yourself. There's no one better. 
And I've always known that intuitively, but I thought that in business, I was supposed to be someone else. Like you have to have this professional image. And I'm not saying like, I should come on a podcast interview with a glass of wine and be like, be myself, right? Like you have to be professional, of course. And you have to know when's the time to wear this outfit, when's the time to wear this outfit. But being yourself is just innately the way you speak, the way you communicate, the way you put your brand message out there into the world, the font you choose, the colors you choose to just be you. Like when someone looks at my logo, they should know like, oh, that's Jacqueline without even seeing it. If someone sees a quote on their feed and the name was blacked out, that's Jacqueline DiGregorio. That's personal branding. So that reminds me of this um, conversation that I had had years ago when I was still acting in, in LA and talking about headshots. And I, and I think I've, I think I've told this story on here before, but, um, I had, and this was a long time ago, I had a black and white headshot. Um, that was like the thing. And it was the most basic, like brunette, white girl, just like you wouldn't be able to pick me out of an, a lineup. And I had, um, a meeting with this this woman who's like your people before you get your people. So she, you know, gave me this consultation. She was recommended by a friend and she just told me, she's like, yeah, I mean, there's just nothing like special about it. You just look like everyone else. So I would really suggest that you lean into what it is that you feel like makes you, you. And I, and I've talked to other people who are actors and stuff and you and I've even seen this with other people, but you try and force yourself, even with that and other things, into a role that's your ideal. And it's not always necessarily what's in alignment with you. It's how you want to be seen, but how you are is so much better. So what you're talking about, it was just, this is something I'm experiencing right now too, so it really is resonating with me, but it's like, when you force yourself into that box, it reads as inauthentic and nobody wants to follow that story. Absolutely. It's like they want to see the real person because we live in a world that is inundated with people who are just like putting out these like fake profiles, edited images. I'm posing with cars that aren't even mine and putting them on <laughs> Instagram showing how rich I am. Like, great. Nobody cares, right? They care about the human beings. They care about when I share my plate story of when I was at my lowest low because that's authentic. So I think that it's a really good lesson. Like what, whatever your goals are, like even if your goal is corporate America, it doesn't matter what the goal is. You have to stand out. And the way you stand out is actually just by being you. I think that especially in business, like we're told, like, you know how many people ask me, Jacqueline, I hear you're a motivational speaker and you're an author and all these things. And isn't that a crowded industry? Like, are, are you just trying to be Rachel Hollis? Aren't there a lot of people just like you? I get this, like from people who genuinely like care about me and think they're being nice. Like I'm protecting her, like she needs to know. Like, <laughs> Thank you, oh my God, I never thought about that, right? And, and it's really sad because they can't comprehend that. Girl, I am unique just being me and I don't need to figure out some secret formula or to, you know, come up with some innovative thing that no one's ever done before. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I can show up as me. People like that. That's why people are already listening, right? 
but it's an insecurity that so many of us have. Like, how do I stand out? What's my differentiating factor? And of course you need one. That's business 101 or getting a job 101 or literally anything you want 101, being in a relationship with someone, anything. But what you don't recognize is that your differentiating factor is simply you showing up as you. And the reason that some people lack it and they fall into the crowd and they're just like everyone else is because they're not showing up as themselves. And if they would, then they wouldn't have that problem. That's so good. So as we wrap this up, what is something that maybe didn't make it into the book or maybe it didn't fit for this one or but a, a concept or some kind of nugget that you really want people to take away too. I'm glad you asked that. I actually had a chapter that I just couldn't find a way to make work, but there's a really good story from it. That was one of the first chapters I ever wrote, but I rewrote this manuscript three times. So that's probably why I did make it. Um, but I tell this story of um, a Friday evening back last April when my fiance, who was then my boyfriend at the time, and I were heading from Philly to Boston for the weekend to visit friends. And so we were flying and we get to the airport and we go through security. Everything's good. I'm like, this is so great. And everything's good. We go and we're hungry. It's dinner time. So we go to like something like Chipotle, but not actually Chipotle. We make our burrito bowls and I take out my wallet to pay for dinner. And I look down and in my wallet, in the spot where my license is supposed to be, it's that clear blank spot. I'm like, I lost my license. And Richie's like, what? I'm like, it's gone. And he's like, didn't you just have it going through security? And I'm like, yeah. And this was like the one of the many moments I realized like I'm marrying this man. He was so calm. He's like, all right. And he told the guy, like, we can't take our food right now. Can we come back and pick it up and pay for it later? Like, we just booked it. We walked over to security, and we're like, we got this. We're just going to find it. Ask the security guard. It's all going to be good. So we go to security. We're like, have you seen a license? I just came through. You know, they look, and they're like, no, honey, it's not here. And I'm like, no, 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 it's here. I, I just walked through, and I had it. And 20 steps later, it's missing, so it's here. So because of my confidence, they're like, okay. They like literally move the secure, the TSA thing that's like a big podium. They push it out of the way to look underneath it. And they're like, all right, we're going to find this. They look like everywhere, all over the floor. And they're like, I'm so sorry, but it's not here. So I take down my name and they say, call me if they find it. So I'm like, great. So like, I mean, at the time, okay, how big of a problem is this? Well, we're going to Boston for the weekend. We have to come back on Sunday and Richie has a job to be at on Monday and I won't be able to fly home without ID, right? And I didn't have my passport with me and I'm already in the airport. So it's pretty dire or we'd have to like rent a car and drive home, right? Which is like a six hour drive, which isn't the end of the world. Um, but it would be really a pain. And I'm like, it has to be here. Like I just had it. So we stay positive and we keep looking walk through the airport we stop every police officer we see and we ask them like have, has anyone turned in a license to you and nobody nobody and we're like okay we're about to give up but on our way back to our seats we see one more police officer and we're like has anyone turned in a license to you and he's like no honey i'm sorry this guy walks over and said are you looking for a license i'm like yeah he's like is this you i'm like yeah 
I'm like, thank you so much. I like try to give the guy money. He won't take it. I'm like just so freaking happy that my license was found. And we're overjoyed. So we go sit down and we find out, we get our dinner and find out that our flight's delayed. So we're like, oh, another thing. But we're like, it's fine. We're going to stay positive. Our flight's delayed. It's fine. So the flight keeps getting delayed, 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 delayed over and over and over again. I think the flight was mostly like seven. Now it's like 10. It still doesn't left yet. So we're like, oh, we're really bored of sitting in these chairs, but we enjoyed our time. We were making the best of it. We were reading our books and now we're like, okay, let's walk over to the other wing and like get a drink or something like this. It was boring. You know, we wanted to like, it's Friday. So we walked over to the other wing and like our flight was supposed to leave like an hour from then or something. So we had plenty of time and and we get something to eat and this guy is sprinting through the airport and I'm like, Richie, how ironic is it that like that guy is late? He's about to miss his flight. He's running and we have been here all night. And Richie goes, Jack, that guy is on our flight. He was sitting in our section. Like, I remember him. And I'm like, no, it can't be. So we look at our phones, and, like, the last text message we had gotten said that the flight was leaving, like, a half hour earlier than the board said. But we thought the phones were delayed. And I'm like, no, if the phones are just delayed, he doesn't know. We should tell him. That's what I'm thinking. So we speed up our walk, but but it's still a pretty slow walk. The Eagles Hall of Fame thing is like now in the new wing because they just won the Super Bowl, 2017, I guess that was. And um, anyways, we are like, it's fine, we're good. So we keep walking back to our wing, we get there, everyone is boarded. It is like about to be closed and they're like, there's two more! And we're like, holy crap. So we get on the plane, we're like, oh my God. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, we're good, we made it, like everything's fine. And when we had booked this flight, we had waited till the last minute to book it because we weren't sure if we were gonna go that weekend with my speaking schedule, things get really hectic and I'm not able to make a lot of commitments. So our flights ended up being pretty pricey to go from Philly to Boston. So we decided that we weren't gonna like pay for special seats to sit together because we were capable of sitting apart for an hour and a half. <laughs> We like get our separate seats, whatever. Um, and I noticed that there's a whole row across from me, like completely empty. So I'm like, Richie, like, let's sit in that row. Like, everyone's boarded. So we like go, we sit in this row, and like the flight attendants don't care. And we sit down, and I'm just like catching my breath, and I'm thinking, like, why is it that like all this great stuff happened to us. Like, why is it that we got these great seats and like we attract it, like not missing the flight, even though the time changed. And I knew 100% without a shadow of a doubt that it was because we kept a positive mindset regardless of the circumstances. And anyone else who would have like been through that day, lost their license, almost missed the flight. They would have been angry, bitter, stranded in the airport for five hours. We're like, let's read, let's get drinks, let's like just enjoy life because we're together and that's all that matters. And that lesson is one that I've really carried with me. And though it didn't make the book because it didn't quite fit into the business theme, it's something that I think is the key to life and happiness. If you can remain positive, if not positive, even just neutral, regardless of circumstances, just because you can find that internal happiness like that is so powerful and you will manifest and attract like just so many wonderful things into your life and i always find like 
I call it magic, but whenever I shift my mindset, my next book, I really want to write something about magic in the title. I don't know what it's going to be, but whenever I shift my mindset, like it's literally instantaneous, like crazy things happen. I've gotten checks in the mail that I wasn't expecting. Like that stuff is real. Like, especially with money, I, because you can really see it it's tangible. Like I've manifested like thousands of dollars just like come out of nowhere because I decided not to be negative and afraid or opportunities in my business or events in my life where like things just work out exactly for me. And I get this crazy opportunity because I made the best of it and was positive when other people were victims and were complaining. So I think if I can leave you with one thing, it's make it your goal to master your mindset, regardless of your circumstances, make it your goal to master your internal state and learn how to be neutral or even better positive, even through challenging moments. How can you find joy in small things? How can you make the best? Remember that they always say like, what's going to be on your tombstone. I always hear people say that I've been asked that on podcasts before. And I always say my favorite quote, Life is not about what happens to you. It's about how you react to it. I'm no different from you. People might say, Jacqueline, you're so lucky. Why do I have luck? I have luck because of my mind, because I'm attracting these things. I'm manifesting them because I react well. Whenever like stuff goes wrong, like those little things in your day, they suck. They're annoying. You have to go out of your way. You have to drive an extra 20 minutes. The thing that you thought you were going to be able to do today doesn't work out. The time, the this, the that. I'm like, all right, maybe I wasn't supposed to be in the car at this time because I was going to die in a car accident. I know that sounds morbid, but I think those things like, okay, thank you. This is all good. How can I react? How can I make it work? Accept your circumstances. You're responsible. Now what? What can I do? And that has been one of the most powerful shows in my life. And I highly recommend you just even start the first step in adapting it. I'm miserable in this circumstance. How can I be slightly less miserable? What can I do? Like eating your favorite food or, you know, the little things Mm -hmm. matter. I love that. Oh my gosh. I, I'm really excited. Um, for people also, if you haven't read the book to go get the book, um, stop getting in your own way. So Jacqueline, how can people find you? How can they find like what you're doing and all of that? And, and where are all of the places they can? buy your lovely book. So you can buy my book on Amazon in paperback or ebook. We're also carried in a good amount of libraries. So check your local library. They may have a copy. Um, and you can find me. I'm Jacqueline DiGregorio everywhere. Follow me on Instagram. That's my favorite platform. And my podcast is called Spark Your Light. Love it. So thank you so much again. I feel like people are going to get so much value from from this and uh, and you listening right there. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to be with you next week. <laughs>